what are you seeing and hearing in the, the marketplace as far as the big three, AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile? Well, it's, it's been an interesting year. And, you know, I think uh, with all companies, as we've seen in the 2022, you know, in the tech space, there's been a lot of layoffs, right? Layoffs have been the uh, on the minds of everything. And I think it's starting to come through in our industry more so. At the end of 2022, with the C-band push, I think we've seen a big momentum, you know, into the end of the year, into the first quarter of this year, where that money was already allocated to deploy those projects. Now that that's done, it's, it's kind of a relook. And we're starting to see different cost-cutting measures coming into in the play. Welcome to the 5G Guys podcast, the premier resource for industry insiders and newcomers alike to explore anything and everything wireless telecommunication. We discuss, explain, and explore all things wireless technology. So let's dive right in. Welcome your host, Dan McVaugh and Wayne Smith. Welcome back to another episode of the 5G Guys I'm Wayne Smith, joined by my co-host, Dan McVall. Hey, Wayne. Hey, everyone. Thanks for coming back. Great to uh, great to see you, Wayne. I know we've been uh, traveling a lot this early summer, so it's been hit or miss, like two ships passing in the night, but uh, great to be back together. Um, we thought that we should do a mid-year roll-up of how things are progressing, as those of you that have been listeners for a long time know, Wayne and I always do a start to the year, our predictions for the year, and we did that back in January. And we thought maybe we'd keep ourselves a little honest and see how uh, how wrong our predictions uh, are coming, turning out to be. But uh, no, but seriously, uh, great time to do a check-in, uh, end of June, a lot of big news that's come out here early summer. So uh, what do you think? Let's let's dive in and check in on how things are going. Yeah, now I'm all about it. Yeah, it's been an interesting year to get started for sure. Well, let's start off with the, the area that you and I know the, the most, which is the cellular carriers. And I know you're you're closer to that than I am. What what are you seeing and hearing in the, the marketplace as far as the big three, AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile? Well, it's, it's been an interesting year. And, you know, I think uh, with all companies, as we've seen ending 2022, you know, in the tech space, there's been a lot of layoffs, right? Layoffs have been the uh, on the minds of everything. And I think it's starting to come through in our industry more so. At the end of 2022, with the C-band push, I think we've seen a big momentum, you know, into the end of the year, into the first quarter of this year, where that money was already allocated to deploy those projects. Now that that's done, it's it's kind of a relook, and we're starting to see different cost-cutting measures coming in the in the play. We've definitely seen a slower, you know, from my services company Vertex. We've definitely seen. A, a slower uptick to more project development through 2023. Not saying they're not doing things; they're just being more particular on what they're going to bit, you know, build with with the C band deployment behind us. Pretty much, mm-hmm. you know, now it's you know how do we make the network better and how do we do things? So, a slower start. The word layoff is out there. There's been a lot of people reaching out to us, you know, for opportunities. There's rumors that AT and T is going to drop twenty thousand employees. Uh, I haven't heard rumors like that from Verizon, and I have heard through, you know, just uh, our network that you know T-Mobile's slowing up a little bit, mm-hmm. and so I think the boom year of the 2022 of massive capex of 20 billion a carrier, we're we're back to more realistic and even maybe a little bit below 
prior years of somewhere between 10 and 15 billion for the big two. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know one of the things we talked about in January was that we were anticipating Verizon and AT&T in particular having some challenges because they spent so much money on that C-band spectrum and they, they took on debt to do that. And with rising interest rates, that puts a lot of pressure on their balance sheet. So I think that's, that's part of what we're seeing, um, speculative on my, my part, but I think, you know, that pressure is there and, and, and Hey, all three, the entire telecom sector as a whole, their, their total cap value in the stock market is down this year. The big five, AT&T, Verizon, AT&T, Comcast, and Charter, they have all taken big losses on their balance sheets this year on their stock values. And so that, that can't help either, right? No, I mean, yeah. And to, to your point, we are seeing a different environment in our industry, right? The in- inflation environment. And it, and, and it takes a while to filter through, you know, back when we were talking about it big time. Now we're starting to see, you know, the residual income. It's very difficult to refinance debt. And to your point, these boys have some debt, man. I mean, they got a big debt load. And, yeah. you know, debt comes up for refin- refinancing and corporate bonds. It's more expensive. Right. And so what, what happens? Uh, all companies, I don't care if it's telecom or whatever, you start trying to find ways to cost cut and use that capital more efficiently. So yeah. I think we're seeing those. But, um, you know, I'm still optimistic that... Uh, the money will be spent just in different ways and on different things that more, um, you know, and we're early in 5G. You know, I'm, I wouldn't say that, you know, there's been a lot of hype around 5G, but yet we're just a few years in, you know, and look what LTE did. We're still we're still doing things on the private network space that utilize 4G LTE. Right. right? And so I think it's going to take a while to catch up. Sometimes we live in a world of hype. Marketing right. marketers do a good job of selling something, but the use cases have to come into focus and the technology surrounding it, you know, and different tech has to be developed and it takes years to do that. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, our, our long careers in the cellular industry, we, we've seen these cycles numerous times before. These cycles are not unusual. Uh, and, you know, it's a pendulum that swings and there's always a return to increase capital spending shortly after there's a decrease. So, uh, I'm not I'm not overly concerned about it, but there's definitely some adjustment going on. Um, and, you know, what we just talked about is a good segue into another update, which is C-band itself. Right. So last year we talked about how the C-band for those listeners that are new or, or to remind you was a band of spectrum. The FCC auctioned off that was very tailored towards 5G deployments. And it's in a spectrum band that's right adjacent to this equipment that sits on airplanes that's used for ground radar for pilots to do radar assisted landing in bad weather and low visibility. Well, it's so right when the, the big guys that won all that spectrum, namely 18 team Verizon, were getting ready to roll out their 5G deployments on that. Everybody raised their hands and said, oh, wait a minute, we got interference problems and the 5G is going to interfere with all our planes. And that put a, a big delay in the deployment of 5G. And to 18 team Verizon's credit, they they came to the table and said, okay, we'll delay our, our launch. And and the scale back, you know, the power levels on any cell sites close to airports. Well, where are we at today? July 1st, the carriers are allowed to go full bore, use their spectrum, full power anywhere they want. Uh, the, the FAA told, told the carriers, hey, you have, you know, this much time to get your planes up to snuff and replace your radar equipment. And, 
and they they have for the most part the latest news from uh, federal federal regulators is that eighty percent of domestic air, aircraft have been updated, uh, but that means there's twenty percent that are still out there that you know could have problems, and so you know bad weather. Pete Buttigieg came out this last week and said. You know, hey, he's expecting flight delays all of a sudden July 1st. Um, so I think that's some fear mongering personally. But um, so there's 20 percent of the planes in the U.S. that are behind getting updated. They will get updated. I think internationally, it's like 65 percent of the planes have been updated. So um, so we should see full utilization of that spectrum now, now starting in the second half of the year. Yeah. One, one little ad note to that. I think I've read that, you know, I think one of the issues with the spectrum and airplanes is there was not any really research done on, you know, electronics, not any updated over in the, in the near term of impact of the frequency. You know what I mean? So a lot of it is this error to the side of caution versus this is scientific. This is really going to impact the airplane or the electronics. And so that's a lot happened in society. We, we err to the, too much to the side of caution without putting the right research in place to make sure there's even even a conflict conflict there right right and as a matter of fact with this we've we've had what three maybe four episodes on this topic over the last year or so um a, the best one to check out on how real this problem really is is uh episode 29 we had a aviation expert by the name of vance hilderman on and i mean he was awesome like he really took us through the details of how real the problem was and it, it is it is real, but to your point, Wayne, uh, it's a lot of a lot of times it's a lot of politicians and uh, and influencers that are driving the ship as opposed to the the technical folks. But uh, but anyway, so that's an update on C band. Uh, I'm sure the carriers, as you said, they've spent a ton of money to build out their sites so that they can use C band and they'll be able to take full advantage of that finally. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what else? What else we got going on? Big news around another Dish. carrier, right? Dish, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Let's hear so, it. We uh, jump in, man. They're, they're, they've deployed. So bring us up to date, Dan. Yeah. So um, DISH has been building out a nationwide network for the last three years. And the spectrum that they were allocated to do that with, the FCC had some requirements on them that said, hey, we'll let you guys use the spectrum, but you have to build out a certain percentage of the US by a certain time frame, or else you're in default and could lose the spectrum. And their big deadline uh, was uh, June of this year that they had to cover 70% of the population in the United States in their build out. And they made it, they made it by the skin of their teeth, but they did. They, uh, they officially announced that they have launched their network. Um, and uh, I'm trying to remember what they call it. Um, there's a name, there's a name they're using it, their marketing name. It's called Gen- project Genesis, I believe. And so they have, um, markets all over the U.S. that they have service of their own now that they're augmenting their resale service. So they have a resale service. They bought Boost. So Boost Infinite is uh, a resale service where they're reselling AT&T and T-Mobile network service. And then now they're augmenting it with their own service. So if you're a Dish customer or a Boost Infinite customer, depending on where you're at, you might be using Boost or Dish's own network now. And then when you're not in coverage, you'll be using either AT&T or T-Mobile's networks. That's that's a big move. That gives us a fourth nationwide carrier now. Yeah, I mean, it's a monumental task that they do. So all the people that we know in the infrastructure space that built that network, man, congratulations. You guys got it done and you yep. took the experience. So really proud of all the people who support that. 
Next thing, sales teams, good luck getting people to <laughs> budge on changing carriers because, you know, that's a hard piece for the sales teams out there. But big, you know, big applause for the for the folks who are on the ground, who are putting the, you know, the work in and getting that infrastructure built. So congratulations, guys. Absolutely. And, and I can tell you through experience, you know, being part of Greenfield Network Buildouts in the, the mid 90s to late late 90s. <clears throat> As a new entrant, they have a competitive edge on the the legacy guys because they are deploying the latest and greatest technology that the rest of the carriers are struggling to deploy themselves because they've got this legacy infrastructure they have to maintain. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, they're a full 5G, no 4G, no 3G. It's 100% 5G. They're the first carrier to deploy voice over 5G. All the other carriers have to move your phone down to 4g to do voice or even 3g so it'll be interesting to watch and their service offering is it's 25 bucks a month unlimited everything so that's pretty disruptive so it'll be interesting to see like how that plays out for sure for sure and you know just like all things i'm sure they've targeted the big metropolitan areas in their network growth rural areas you know i'm not so sure they have but you might know more about that and uh yeah, it's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Yeah, twenty five no, bucks a month. For yeah. sure, the way you get to the way you get to seventy percent of the population as quick as possible is in the dense urban core. So yeah. you know they're in the twenty or so most dense you know urban areas to 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 launch, and they're not going to have any service out in the rural parts of the U.S. or or what have you. And they they may never. They may just stick to being you know focused on population density. We'll see, but. Uh, so anyways, to your point, congrats to those folks. I know how hard that is and a uh, huge, huge uh, progress for them. And, and they'll continue to progress. So what else uh, last year? Let's see. What did what, what are some of our other predictions back in January? Uh, the broadband. I mean, we yeah. talked about, well, we talked about FW, um, FWA, right? Because that was the end of the year. Boom. I still think that's picking up steam. Fixed, I mean, fixed wireless access, right? So for yeah. our listeners... That's uh, that's basically the cellular guys competing with their cable competitors, namely Verizon and us and uh, T-Mobile using their cellular 5G service to provide broadband to the home to compete with folks like Charter and, and Comcast Xfinity. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm trying to remember end of the year what their numbers were at. I know T-Mobile was adding about a half million customers a quarter. Yes, yeah, so they were like three million, and Verizon was like one point two. But Verizon was catching up. I mean, that's one of the big bright spots for Verizon was the FWA, you know, service. But yeah, so that was one of the things. But I think overall, I mean, as we left twenty two and moving in twenty three, is broadband itself. You know, mm-hmm. and I know you have some updates you want to like jump in there just this week. Well, I'll tell you, yeah, hot off the press. So we're recording on June twenty seventh, and on June twenty sixth. The federal government officially announced the release of four, over $42 billion as part of the infrastructure stimulus plan uh, that was passed as a, you know, the back end of the pandemic. And specifically, there was a program called BEAD, uh, stands for Broadband Equity Access and Deployment, that's basically designated to get, you know, fill the digital divide, get broadband to those folks in the U.S. and U.S. territories that don't have, you know, either underserved or unserved for broadband. So, they, they released that 42.5, or they didn't release it. They announced the, the allocation of it just yesterday. 
Yeah, I did read that uh, the checks will start be delivered in one year. So they'll okay. have access to the funds one year from today. Okay. So all the planning gets to go into effect and then those states will have that kind of dollars, which will be great. Well, it's it's um, funny you say that because I read that they could get, you know, as much as 20 percent this year. So as as is always the case, the government kind of keeps us guessing <laughs> on exactly how it's going to happen. But but the news but we do know that each state was allocated a certain amount of money. Uh, I think the smallest allocation was the U.S. Virgin Islands at like $27 million, And Texas was the largest at $3.3 billion. And yeah, so those states now have to give the federal government their plan. The federal government can approve that plan. They have 180 days to get that approval. And then at that point, they can start getting access to those funds to allocate to their, their projects in each of their states. Yeah, I think the last you know, thing to that that's important for people to realize that it, it's it's where the private public partnership comes together, mm-hmm. right? That's where, and so that's great for all of us in the industry, you know, who, you know, what are we going to do next? This is these are a lot of projects that you know people that you and I know who deploy in infrastructure, they get to do the public private partnership and help those mm-hmm. states deploy those resources. We have seen some projects. Uh, definitely in Texas and stuff where some of the municipalities are trying to go ahead and put in their own broadband network around Mm -hmm. using their right of way. So that's pretty exciting. I mean, exciting, exciting times, man, you know, um, hopefully we'll get to a point where everyone in the States has access to broadband access. Yeah. I mean, this could be a really interesting sort of turn of events in terms of those that have been the most underserved, could all of a sudden become the best served um, because we're looking at some of these projects are fiber to the home, right? Yeah. Yeah. So folks in rural Alabama, for example, um, you know, the, one of the largest utility companies, Alabama has been deploying a fiber to the home network since 2020. And they just got a huge chunk of money coming their way, most likely as part of this project where they're going to be doing fiber to a lot of rural folks. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see and, and, and you know, big impact. I mean, we all understand the impacts of lack of broadband in education and healthcare. And so, uh, so we were a little behind, right? We predicted that we would start seeing some activity this year. Of course, the funding got, you know, held up. No big surprise when the government gets involved, things go slower. Um, but we're seeing progress. And so, you know, don't expect to see anything starting to build with those funds this year, to your point, you know, next Mm -hmm. year would be probably the most likely time, but we'll start seeing some engineering and some planning going on this year. So that's good news. Yeah. Good news. And then we, we couldn't have a podcast and talk about where we're at without Elon Musk. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Who's into everything. So jump into that, man. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. So Starlink has been, um, you know, very disruptive with, with their, uh, you know, deployment of, of broadband via satellite, lower, lower earth orbit satellites. When we finished, when we finished up last year, I think they were forecasting that they were going to get to uh, like 4,400 satellites launched to cover the the earth. And, uh, last update in May was that, uh, that they're at over 4,000 satellites. So they're on track. Yep. They're covering more and more of the earth. I've seen stats out there now where independent, Folks are verifying service in markets and places like Africa and South America and Asia. And, you know, they're reporting really good service. They're reporting, you know, upwards of 80, 90 megabits per second downlink in um, in some areas. The U.S. is not as good. 
Um, you know, they're, they're averaging something like 56 megabits per second in Mexico, for example. Um, so it's interesting to see how that performance is rolling out, but it's competitive and it's, you know, it's, it's getting a lot of people in areas around the globe, like the Ukraine and their support of, of their, their efforts against Russia have been significantly impacted by the use of Starlink. Oh man. Yeah. It's, that's probably understated what that's done for that, uh, horrible conflict over there. Pretty yeah. amazing though, that he's, he's on track and he's getting that done. And, you know, you think about it, um, satellite, you know, broadband is not a new thing. There's been Hughes and I mean, mm-hmm. we got to talk about dish and direct yeah, via you know, sat. Uh, yeah. And via sat. And so he's just doing it a little different. And there's definitely a market for it. And there's a lot of applications, uh, definitely in, in the rural, hard to get places. Um, it's made, uh, I would call outdoor tourism more effective. Mm-hmm. So you can go into remote places, enjoy the peaceful. Now, some would argue, why do you need broadband if you're going outside? But we always want to stay connected with our families and our businesses. And, and so a very, you know, hands off to Elon. He's getting it done. Yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, to your point, I think this year they, they released a product for recreational vehicles so that you could have Starlink on your RV. So there you go. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. So let's see what other kind of updates do we have? So we talked a little bit about um, Dish and um, the fact that they resell T-Mobile and AT&T in addition to their own network. There was some rumors recently floated by one of the largest tech companies in the world in Amazon that mm. they're 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 dropping hints that they want to become a a virtual service operator basically someone that would resell one of the big three carriers or big four now carrier service under the amazon prime brand and rumors being that you know maybe we would see very discounted or even free service for prime members as part of that play so that's very released very recently released news uh not really sure how much truth there is to it because right afterwards, all three of the AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile were quick to come out in their earnings reports and say, we aren't talking to them. We don't know who they're going to be using. So so uh, Amazon's kind of keeping us all guessing, but uh, that, that's going to be interesting to, one to watch. Have you seen or heard anything around that? No, but I do know this. Ver- I mean, Amazon has 300 million active subscribers. Wow. So. It would be disruptive <laughs> if they offered something as part of their service. I haven't read anything about it. I know that uh, they they have a little bit of headwinds in front of them with their prime. You know, I like Amazon. We're an Amazon house. We get deliveries way more than we should. <laughs> you know, so I, I could see it happening. I mean, you know, how do you monetize that amount of customers? You bring right. different services and you bundle things that make sense for them. So. You know, yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing uh, world that we're moving into. There's been some rumor as well that maybe we would expect to see, you know, since the, the the main three carriers have vocalized that they're not talking to Amazon, that maybe we'd be seeing an Amazon Dish partnership. But the problem with that is Dish themselves is reselling T-Mobile and AT&T, and they couldn't legally resell that to Amazon. So I, who knows, man? It's going to be interesting to see... Um, there's yeah. probably something none of us are thinking about that'll come out, but it, so but keep, but keep an eye on that for sure. Yeah, I think one thing that I learned in the first six months that we didn't predict, and this is kind of interesting. You know, we do a lot of different things, 
and on our on our podcast um we do we've had some really great podcasts i thought this 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 first half of the year too learned a lot of things about new technology guys from at&t and verizon but one of the interesting things was in large venues where the paradigm shifting we've always been what's your download speed type of society now we're moving to what's your upload speed because more people want to share their experiences in large venues so that was something you know that's we didn't predict that this definitely starting to see a paradigm shift in that kind of venue and environment yeah downloads important but not when you're at a show or or a large venue but more you want to upload your stuff as fast as possible so a paradigm shift in how that's done yeah for sure and and uh we heard that straight from the horse's mouth and we had Philip French from Verizon on and he, mm-hmm. he announced on our podcast that, you know, they were going to be releasing this new, new release in their network at the, uh, what was it? It was at the NFL draft in Kansas city. I oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just, yeah. Back just a month or so ago. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. one of the other ones that we did and you have to remind me, um, was about the new 6G. That That's just, that was so fascinating. That new technology. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I think our first six months have been, I've really, really enjoyed it. You know, I thought we gained some momentum in the podcast and we learned a lot of things that about new and emerging technologies that are coming. Yeah. Coming our way. Yeah. How about the, how about the Art Pregler from AT&T and all the stuff they're doing with drones and, you know, robot dogs. I mean, that was amazing. And the way that yeah. they're, they're, they're getting connectivity out to where it needs to be through autonomous devices and, and mechanisms and, and then, you know, Qualcomm sharing with us the ability for AI to be processed right on the device and not even need the network anymore. Like Oof. this stuff is coming true, right? All of these yeah. things that, that we predict are, are surprisingly, all of a sudden we had guests coming on saying, oh, yeah, we're doing that. So that's pretty. Yeah, cool. pretty amazing. So it's been it's been an interesting start to the year. You know, it definitely has. Um what do you think, think about Apple's release recently? They just announced, well, first of all, their, what's it called? The Apple Vision Pro AR VR headset. And then I think what else did they announce? They're, they're merging FaceTime with Apple TV. So you'll be able to do like video group calls on your TV at home. Like you, you think those, you know, Apple's had a long history of pushing the, the envelope on these networks and being the impetus for a lot of network advancement. What do you what do you think about those announcements? You think those will be the same, or you think they're kind of fluff? No, I mean, no. I think I think the tech. There's probably a need for the technology in a sense. Mm-hmm. One thing I will admit, since I have been on family vacation for it seems like a month, <laughs> I have not. I did one thing that I think we all need to do. I disconnected from the news, and so I'm just catching up. Getting back last week. Uh, I know I know about the announcement, but I literally did not. I have not dove deep into any of those any of those yet, and really yeah. just catching up. So enjoying the downtime from technology for two or three weeks. Yeah, like the 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 AR VR headset thing. You know that was of course started by Meta with their with their device, and now Apple has theirs. Like that's really interesting to me. Like I I kind of feel like it's a little ahead of, ahead of its time, right? This outside of like gaming like the use cases and stuff, I think are still kind of getting sorted out. But I think what's the most interesting for me is just that wireless networks have to be leveraged to make this stuff work, whether it's cellular, whether it's Wi-Fi, whether it's Bluetooth, 
And so that's where I just geek out, right? Is understanding yeah. how these advances are leveraged, are leveraging connectivity that's wireless um, and not just, you know, you, you can't walk around the house with a ethernet cord hooked up to your VR headset, right? It's not, <laughs> it doesn't work. So no, well, I think the main thing about VR, AR, and, and, you know, it's, it's hard maybe to get your mind around, but it's going to be the new way in the education. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it combines two worlds, real world and a virtual world. So you can learn things. And I do think give it 10 years, most people will learn, you know, skilled trades, different things by mm-hmm. using that kind of technology. So, you know, I, I do see the practical pieces of it. We've tried some different things with our software company and, you know, VR. We, I mean, in not VR, augmented yeah. reality where you, mm-hmm. yeah, where you layer it on top. I do see a lot of value in teaching that way. And if, as we're learning, you know, um, in society, we're learning a new way. Where you know, via the, the internet, via the connections and wirelessly, like no matter where you are, if you're having a conversation and you're talking about something that you're unfamiliar with, you're going to use your wireless device to go look at it and Google it. Or now use chat GPT or BARD or one of those to try to figure out information. You're not going to wait. You're doing it in real time. And so the way we learn is definitely going to be impacted by these innovations and the way we communicate. Yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, I just learned last month about a big initiative that Microsoft has around the the space of digital twins in their Azure cloud. And so they're trying to create huge databases of digital twins. What's a digital twin? Well, it's just a a digital um, approximation or, or duplication, really, of anything physical in the world. So it could be floor plans for a building. Uh, in our world, it's digital twins for towers, where we have right? A digital version of the tower and an engineer can go do structural analysis on it. But there's digital twins for the human body, right? So a medical student doesn't have to do an actual autopsy anymore. They could use augmented reality to learn about the anatomy in the human body with, and, and so Microsoft is making a huge push to have all a huge database in the cloud of all these different things that could have digital Mm -hmm. twins to, to support augmented and virtual reality. So um, you know, Jeff Bratcher from FirstNet, right? First, imagine first responders, a firefighter going in with a heads up display on their helmet where they have an augmented reality of the floor plan of the building so that if it's smoky and they can't see, they can still see where the walls are and they can see where the fire panel's at and just really cool stuff. So um, I, I love it. Wow. What a first six months, Dan. <laughs> you know, and even, you know, Plugging the podcast a little bit. I've really enjoyed the six months. I mean, you know, as you get into the flow and we're learning and meeting really exciting mm-hmm. guests, uh, it's been, you know, it's fun to do predictions and then see where we are. For sure. Absolutely. Well, thanks, bud. I, I appreciate it. Um, welcome home. And um, look to all our listeners. Hope your summer's off to a great start. And uh, we'll look forward to catching up next time. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to The 5G Guys. For more resources and to connect with Dan and Wayne, check out their website at 5gguys.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that follow button and share this episode with your friends and family. 